Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin, Joe Fortenbaugh sitting in for the guys on this Friday morning, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us, my handle at Courtney R. Cronin. Joe, yours is? At Joe Fortenball. Awesome. You saw them there on the screen. You can also hit us up on the phones, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Free agency beginning 6 p.m. Eastern time tonight. We have wall-to-wall coverage on ESPN Radio and over on ESPN throughout the day. One team we're zeroing in on, the LeBron James Lakers. It very well could be the last season, last offseason, that the Lakers have LeBron James and how they can build around him will we'll play into what they do over the next couple of days. But I want to play you the sound from from Fitz and Harry yesterday. Joe was on that show and asked Ramona Shelburne, ESPN senior NBA reporter, about how the Lakers are preparing for free agency this year. Do you, uh, Ramona, do you see the Lakers preparing for this to be LeBron's last season in L.A.? Yeah. I mean, they have to. Wow. Like, he's been pretty unequivocal about saying, I want to play with my son, right? I mean, that's – and he, he positioned himself to be a free agent or to have a player option that he could decline in the year that his son would be eligible for the NBA draft. And so, like, you know, the thing with LeBron is that – He's pretty clear about his intention. Like, and the fact that he would even reinforce that on Instagram, and you know, I think that it was, it's kind of a joke of right now because the mock draft is, you know, year out. Like, the idea we don't know what teams are going to make the playoffs, let alone be in any of those positions, right? But it's more, it's more to say he's projected as a mid first round pick. And that person Ramona is referring to there is Bronny James, LeBron James's son. He's obviously made it very clear he wants to play at least one NBA season with his son. The Lakers right now don't have a first-round pick next year. The only pick they have, or at least they own the rights to, is the 2024 second-round pick that they got from the Clippers. And this all points into what their strategy is going to be this year. It sounds like continuity and prioritizing youth and keeping this core together, Joe, is where they're headed instead of any big acquisitions at the during free agency. Maybe they wait until the trade deadline if things aren't going according to plan, but the strategy they followed last year after a 2-10 start and then drastically reworking their roster in February is what got them into the conference finals against the Denver Nuggets, and it's... They were swept in that series. No one is saying that that was an easy go-around for LeBron James. But with this core, Rob Polinka and company seem to think they can run it back and be okay. They should be competitive in the Western Conference because when you look up and down at their competition, there are question marks everywhere outside of the Denver Nuggets. And even there, you could probably come up with one or two questions. But it's important to evaluate the Lakers in a... Ver- when you look at last year... Some people will see that they were a seven seed that went 43 and 39. You know, they had to survive. What was it? The play in and everything else. And they'd say they weren't that good, but there were two seasons for the Lakers last year. There was the Russell Westbrook era up until they made those moves in February. And then there was the post Russell Westbrook era where D'Angelo Russell came over. Jared Vanderbilt came over. Malik Beasley came over. And that team was actually pretty solid. They had one of the best records in basketball down the stretch last year. They made it to the conference finals. They play a quality brand of defense. 
they do have scoring options. They ran into a fantastic Denver team that ran them out of the playoffs. So be it. Denver beat up on everybody. But right now, I'll ask you this. Where would you say, at the current moment, the Lakers rank in the Western Conference hierarchy? Would you take them over the Memphis Grizzlies? No, not right now. I would not. Really? Even Okay. What about the Sacramento Kings? I would take the Lakers over the Kings. I know that kind of goes against conventional wisdom here. I'm just not so sure that maybe the Kings didn't capture lightning in a bottle last year. I say that with when it, in regards to the Memphis Grizzlies. That's expecting that John Morant comes back after the 25-game suspension. They've already bolstered their backcourt with Marcus Smart. I think they're a better constructed roster than last year's roster, finally having some veteran leadership in that room. I'm not so sure on the Kings. I mean, the West is loaded. I mean, if we want to continue to go through these, do I think they're better than the Nuggets? No. Do I think they're better than the Suns? No. The Warriors. You don't think they're better than the Suns? I do not. Not at all. Not with the way that the Suns team has been constructed. Like, let's just go through this. The West has changed drastically. And if you're looking at what the Lakers are presenting us in free agency is that they're not going to change along with the West. They believe that the core that they have – the core that got to the conference finals on the heels of going from a 13 seed to a seven seed after the trade deadline, which was pretty remarkable. They're telling you that group is better than what they have, than what they could potentially add to it. But the Suns added Bradley Beal a couple weeks ago. The Spurs drafted Victor Wembanyama. The Golden State Warriors are on the path, at least it appears right now, to re-sign Draymond Green. They got Jordan Poole out of there. They added Chris Paul via the trade. The Grizzlies, as I mentioned, adding Marcus Smart. Even the Jazz landing John Collins. Everybody else is changing around you. I'm not saying that you have to go out and find a big uh, member to pair with Anthony Davis and LeBron James as a big three, but I see some limitations within this roster. We knew when they made some of the moves at the trade deadline that you get one-dimensional players in their respective um, roles, you know, D'Angelo Russell with offense, Jared Vanderbilt in the defensive end. They have the shooting, but do they have someone who can take that burden off of LeBron James where he doesn't have to go into superhuman form at 38 years old on a consistent basis in the postseason? The Lakers, kind of like the Miami Heat, showed you that the regular season – don't want to say it doesn't matter because they were 18 and 9 after the trade deadline and they made a push into the month of April to get into the postseason as the seventh seed and then make their way to the conference finals. It was remarkable what they did. Do we expect that, though, to happen again next year? I mean, if you have this core together, if you think this group is as currently constructed, if they have a full off season together, if they have training camp and then the first part of the season together to show you that they can be that version that get to the conference finals, fine. I'll eat my words here in a couple of months when the NBA season starts. And if that goes according to plan, then maybe they're onto something. I just think it how, like looking around at how much the West has changed around the Lakers and that this is LeBron's very likely last go around here before he you know opts out of the player option next year and then goes and joins forces with Bronny somewhere else, that they don't really have the time to waste thinking, okay, this is the one time we're going to do it differently with LeBron going into his sixth season. We're actually going to retain most of the roster instead of trying to go out and find someone else that can handle the point guard role and that can play alongside LeBron and AD. See, I see it a little bit differently. I I do remember this is the team that beat the crap out of the Warriors in the playoffs and sent them packing. And you don't see that happening to the Warriors outside of the NBA Finals a couple times during this run under Steve Kerr. I think as currently constructed, the biggest concern for the Lakers is and always will be the health 
and durability of Anthony Davis, followed by LeBron James. If they're healthy and ready to go in the postseason, there aren't a lot of teams, in my opinion, in the West that stack up with them. Denver, obviously. Memphis, John's got a 25-game suspension, and when he comes back, are we banking on him to have changed his ways? I don't think we can say that just yet. Sacramento's an intriguing story. They're on the rise. They have got to improve their defense. The Phoenix Suns, I don't think they got all that much better with Bradley Beal. And that's not meant to be some sort of hot take, but the thing the Phoenix Suns had before Bradley Beal was a lot of scoring and a lot of playmaking with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. By adding Beal, they added scoring and playmaking. All right, that's fantastic. So you've got three scorers and three playmakers. How many 3 and D wings do you have? That's a big question. What's your depth look like? Mm, That's a big problem because in that series against Denver, they got absolutely worked when it came to the bench. If you don't have role players who can step up and carry some of the burden once you get to the postseason, you're not going to win in the postseason. I don't care how talented your big three is in terms of scoring. So I think the Suns have plenty of question marks. Clippers, who knows where they're going to be from a health perspective. They can never get their stars on the court. Warriors bring in Chris Paul. That's going to help the non-Steph Curry minutes, but I don't know if that's putting them over the top. Minnesota's been fumbling around for two decades. Oklahoma City's an intriguing team. With Chet Holmgren coming back, that's a dark horse that you should circle that could make some noise this season. But ultimately, I do think the Lakers are in a pretty good spot and come trade deadline time next year, maybe it's one or two minor moves to round out the roster to put them right back into contention in the Western Conference. And what we do know is that the Lakers aren't going to just be completely stagnant. At least we don't think they would potentially have the mid-level, the non-taxpayer mid-level exception that they could use on a Brooke Lopez come free agency. We know that his contract ran out with the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe they do retain him. Maybe they don't. I know when we were talking with Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, earlier today that that was kind of the wild card for a Milwaukee team. Maybe he ends up with a lot. Angeles Lakers. They parted ways with Mo, Mo Bamba. They are reportedly leaning towards not picking up the option on Malik Beasley's $16.5 million contract. So there's some moves to be made. I'm not saying that they're just going to stand pat, but the path they are telling us they want to take is that continuity and prioritizing youth more so around LeBron James, potentially going into his last season as a Los Angeles Laker is the route to go. And I'm with you at least on the trade deadline. If things don't go according to plan, this team has shown, as of last year, that they are willing to be ultra-aggressive at the time of the trade deadline to rework this roster. Their odds, Joe, you would know better than me, I think they went from 55-1. to um, like They skyrocketed the day that they made that three-way trade that, that netted them D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt in that mix as well, and obviously Malik Beasley. But... If it's too little too late, then you're potentially wasting the last year of LeBron James, or at least what we think is going to be the last year for LeBron James in Los Angeles. I just hope for the sake of the Lakers and what they're trying to do to allow him to get ring number five, that all of those pieces are in place because you don't want to look back at this and say, well, we could have been more aggressive. We could have spent more. We could have done more to make LeBron happy in his final season. And if they didn't, that's going to be a sizable regret that will be with them for quite some time. Let me throw a quick question at you. If last year's the next year, or if, if next year's the last year of mm-hmm. LeBron James in LA and that era comes to an end, yeah. and it doesn't result in a championship, so there's just the one from the bubble, mm-hmm. was it a successful era? 
I mean, you can, of course, look at that and say they won a title, bubble or not. They still have an NBA championship with LeBron James. But we know what the last couple of years have resulted, you know, out of the playoffs due to injury two years ago. This year, at conference finals, they end up getting swept by Denver by a combined 24 points. It was the LeBron did his part. He absolutely did, but there were moments where he looked human. Finally, we get to see what the you know immortal looks like when he becomes human and looks mortal. I just wonder, are they doing everything they can to make sure he's set up for potentially his last year in Los Angeles in the best in the best situation because they want him to look back on his time with the Lakers fondly, and if they can win a championship along the way, that certainly would ease any of the growing pains that they're going to have to go through in the post-LeBron era, which inevitably is coming sooner rather than later. Straight ahead, what should the Ky- what should Kyrie Irving do in free agency? Should the Mavs be afraid of losing him? That's coming up next here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Courtney Cronin, Joe Fortenbaugh, sitting in for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hope you're having a good start to your long weekend ahead of 4th of July. ESPN Radio, as always, is presented by Progressive Insurance. Hours away from NBA free agency officially starting 6 p.m. Eastern tonight. We've already gotten the news about James Harden opting into his $35.6 million player option and some of the domino effect that can cause, namely with Kyrie Irving. Let's welcome in Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA analyst, here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And the reason I bring up Kyrie first, Tim, is because yesterday we hear about the reported meeting that took place with the Phoenix Suns, and then the the name Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard are floated connecting to a potential trade out out of Philadelphia for James Harden. As it stands with Kyrie and the Philadelphia 76ers, could you see that fit working out if he ends up not staying in Dallas this year? 
Don't know if we lost him there. I think that he might have been with us momentarily. We'll see if we can get him back there. Joe, I'll ask you. you know, oh, the, the, you're going to get a much worse response. I know, and I'm, 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 I'm totally prepared for this. he literally gave you nothing. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally prepared for this because I know you're a 76ers fan, and I know that Kyrie Irving is a very boom or bust sort of signing. On the court, he can be fantastic. Of course, there's all the other baggage you have to worry about and the availability and things like that. But I just... Is this him floating a market for himself because he doesn't think he has one or maybe he doesn't have one? Because when the time came, when the Mavericks ended up trading for him at the deadline, it felt inevitable that they were given all they gave up, that no matter how the season played out, and it played out with them not making the postseason, that they would end up wanting to retain him. And we'll bring Tim McMahon back in here. Let's start with that. You know, what are the options or what is what is Dallas's plan when it comes to Kyrie Irving? How are they approaching this offseason? Well, I mean, the Mavericks plan hasn't changed, and they've made it very clear at the end of the season, keeping Kyrie Irving was their top offseason priority. Uh, but it's not their sole offseason priority. And this is where it gets a little tricky and it gets a little bit delicate. Kyrie Irving, I think, you know, we don't have to ask him. It's, <laughs> I think we can jump to the conclusion Kyrie wants the max, right? Well, the Mavericks can't preserve their mid-level exception and give Kyrie Irving the max. And then it's also one of these things where it's like you, you get the max because there's other teams that are, that are in the bidding for you that, that drive the price up to that point. Uh, as of right now, Kyrie Irving does not have other suitors who are, who can pay him that kind of money. Can he meet with the Suns? Sure. But the Suns, as a free agent, can't offer Kyrie Irving anything more than the minimum. So that's not real leverage there. You can say, well, what about a sign and trade? I'm not going to bog you down in, in cap stuff, but uh, there's a hard cap of $172 million for teams to make a sign and trade. Uh, the, the, the Suns' big three make $130 million, and you've got to build a roster out. So, you know, you start crunching the numbers, you're nowhere close to max on something like that. Now, look, if the if the Houston Rockets aren't able to get done their plan A, which at this point is, is pretty clearly Fred Van Vliet, could they be an option? Sure, but let's just look at this and understand that James Harden didn't get a – you know, there was not going to be a long-term offer for him. The, you know, the, the talk about Fred Van Vliet, that sounds like that's going to be a two-year potential max type of offer. And so I, I think it's a, it's a delicate situation because I think the thing the Mavericks are bidding against more than anything is you don't want Kyrie to feel disrespected and sign a deal that's his best offer but he feels is a low-ball offer because Kyrie Irving feeling disrespected, feeling low-balled, being disgruntled does not work out well, and you can just ask the Brooklyn Nets about that. So let's go down the rabbit hole where, for some reason or another, Irving decides the best fit for him is outside of Dallas. How does this then spiral for the Mavericks and Luka Doncic? Because at some point, isn't Luka going to look at the organization and say, what are we doing here? I I think you're jumping into a rabbit hole that I just honestly, I don't see. But yes, look, the whole reason that they made the Kyrie trade is because there was pressure of, hey, if we're not putting a competitive team around Luka, this clock is ticking. Luca's got three years left on his deal plus a player option that 
you know, I don't need sources to tell you he's declining the player option because he'll be a max player again and get a massive raise. Um, and, you know, you don't want it to be a situation where, you know, next summer it's two years out. Oh, my gosh. You know, there was a, a year we missed the playoffs. This year wasn't any, you know, much, if any, better. That, that would be a very problematic position. You don't want this to be a situation where Luka Doncic is being smacked in the face with reasons uh, to potentially want to ask out. Now, I will say Luka has made it clear he likes Dallas, right? I don't think he will look for reasons to leave. I don't think he's sitting here thinking right now, oh, God, when do I get to, when, when can I get out of here? I do think he you know, really does want to be in Dallas long-term. But again, if those reasons are smacking him in the face, that's a totally different deal. Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA reporter, joined Courtney Cronin and Joe Fortenbaugh here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. What do you make of some of these reported meetings, at least the one with the Suns that we know about, maybe some others that might be in the future, that Kyrie Irving and his representation have set up? I mean, is this just a ploy to drive up a market for him that doesn't currently exist? It does seem like an attempt to create leverage. Um, and it's interesting because the Mavericks have been very consistent about, hey, you know, we think we've made Kyrie comfortable. You know, we really want him back. We love him, this, that, and the other. And, you know, Kyrie, that, that love has not been returned via words or actions to this point. Um, you know, I again, I, I think this all plays out with Kyrie Irving returning to the Mavericks on a multi-year deal. But again, you know, the concern really for the Mavericks, I think, is not so much can they keep Kyrie, it's can they keep Kyrie happy. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the uh, multi-million dollar question that a lot of franchises have tried to figure out in years past. We'll see if the Dallas Mavericks are able to do that or if he ends up finding his way somewhere else during the free agent cycle in a couple of days. Tim, as always, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. That's Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Straight ahead, the NFL suspended several more players on Thursday that were found in violation of the league's gambling policy. Joe and I are going to break down all of the latest happenings there and whether the NFL has an issue on its hand that it's not currently yet solved. That's coming up next here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 
the NFL suspends three more players indefinitely for betting on games. You want to talk about conflicts of interest affecting the integrity of the game? We're looking at it from a player standpoint, but to me, that's the micro of it all. Think about the macro with the NFL having relationships with these sports gambling entities. The NFL can laugh all the way to the bank, yet if one of their players bets 20 bucks, he's suspended for a year. If you don't see something hypocritical or not, I'm not too sure who you are. Practice what you preach. The total number has been brought to nine. That is how many players that is how many players have been suspended this year for violations of the NFL's gambling policy on Thursday. We heard four more players, including three who received indefinite suspensions, will not be playing in the 2023 season. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney Cronin, Joe Fortenbaugh, sitting in for the guys. And as I go through this list of players, everybody from Rashad Berry, he was a new name that popped up yesterday from the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, we know Isaiah Rogers because he bet on the NFL and it became so public a couple of weeks ago. He was also suspended. Demetrius Taylor, a free agent, also received an indefinite suspension. And then there's the curious case of Tennessee Titans offensive tackle Nicholas Petit-Friere, who has been suspended six games. He did not bet on the NFL. He didn't break rule number one of all rules, do not bet on your own sport, Joe. But he admitted to betting inside the Titans facility. Gambling is legal in the state of Tennessee, but a rule that so many NFL players are claiming was not enforced and one that they didn't really know all that much was that you cannot bet inside the team's facility on a team plane going to an away game or in a team hotel the night before a road game, which is, you know, a very slippery slope here for the NFL to determine what their jurisdiction is versus what it's not. But I still look at this, Joe, and think we're only at the tip of the iceberg with these nine players who receive suspensions and that there could very well be more coming in the future based on what guys didn't know in the past versus now what the NFL is trying to enforce. No doubt. No doubt. And some of these rules to some seem a little bit ambiguous. You know, you're not allowed to go into a sports book during the season. Well, what does that mean if the parking garage of the hotel casino has an entrance right off the sports book floor? If you come walking through and are unfamiliar and you take a wrong turn, boom, you're in a sports book and you're in violation of that rule, even if you get out of there immediately. So I can see why the ambiguity and the maybe the lack of communication on some of this could be troubling, but I don't think it's at all ambiguous how serious the league is about protecting the integrity of the product. I think if you're a player, no matter what your age, on any sort of team in the NFL, if you don't have an understanding that gambling is serious business and that the integrity of this sport is serious business then that's on you because I don't think that message has been failed in some way, shape or form to be communicated to you. It's been communicated. It's everywhere. So basically you should be operating under the following mindset. If you are thinking about making some sort of wager and you're not sure if you can don't until you get more clarification. I think that's a great rule to live by. If you're not sure right? Like, I don't know if I can make a bet on baseball here at the team facility. Then don't do it. Make the bet later or pick up the phone, call your union rep, call your agent, call somebody who can get the answer to that question for you. 
Because if you're just going to go ahead and operate as if, well, you know, I didn't know. I was just betting baseball. It, you're going to get popped. Is it really worth it to you? I mean, for these guys that are betting 25 bucks on a baseball game, is it worth it to you to get suspended for six games and miss out on six game checks? I'd have to imagine no. So just, it, it doesn't, the ambiguity, everything that's out there, forget about all that. When in doubt, don't do it. Live by that rule. You should be fine. I sometimes think that's easier said than done. Look at number two on our screen right now. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Now, if you bet on your own sport, you did this to yourself. I have no sympathy for you. The league won't have any sympathy for you. One of the, like, I guarantee every athlete coming up, no matter what the sport is, knows at least the nuts and bolts of what happened with Pete Rose that has been drilled into us over the test of time don't bet on your own sport. It derailed his career, his chances towards the Hall of Fame. Don't follow that same path. Now, in the NFL, they have made it clear, the number one rule on these six that the NFL and the NFLPA are trying to educate players on, you don't bet on your own sport. The slippery slope here is what comes to rule number two. So we were talking about this. If you're on the road for a game and you want to go place a bet on college football, if you want to go place a a bet on UFC or whatever else is happening on a Saturday night before your NFL game on the road and you you see a chance to, to win a couple bucks, if it matters to you that much, who's to say these players don't get out of their team hotel, go across the street to whatever's over there that is not on team hotel property. Can the NFL say that that's it within their jurisdiction? If you want to make the rules more clear and leave out the gray area, it's don't gamble at your team's facility and don't gamble while you're traveling on the road, no matter where it is, period. Because that's the issue the NFL is going to run into. There are going to be guys, and maybe it's the cynic in me, but there are going to be players who continue to try to work around some of these rules. Because we all have an iPhone or an Android, and we can access uh, the Caesars app. We can access DraftKings. We can access all of these different gambling apps at the touch of a button. And to expect that players are going to abide by this and you know, not, do it in the, not do it in the facility is one thing, not doing it on the road and then working around a way to where, hey, I wasn't in the team facility. I wasn't in the team plane. I wasn't in the team bus going to a game or coming home from a game. That's the challenge that I think the NFL is going to have to work around here as they try to enforce these rules, but also maybe have to amend the way that these six rules have been written to provide clear-cut you cannot mess this up descriptions because otherwise this not the nine that we have right now will end up snowballing into a far bigger number than we currently have. It also says something into the ambiguity and the confusion. If you're a young player trying to navigate these waters, let's say you play for the commanders and you show up at the stadium on game day and Hey, there's a sports book right there at your place of business, but you are not allowed to, on that property, make any bet whatsoever, even if it's on, say, women's tennis or high lie in Miami or cricket in India. You can't do any of that, even though there is a sports book right there. The league's telling you it's okay to have this sports book here. You just can't make any bets in any capacity on this property in any way, shape, or form. So, yeah, if you're a young guy, I could see how that might be a bit confusing for you. The funny thing is here. In all of this, this is the wake-up call that NFL players needed to have to know, if I gamble, I've got to A, make sure everything I'm doing is buttoned up, and B, 
if I don't, then I put myself at risk. The suspensions here are the everyday run-of-the-mill NFL players outside of Jamison Williams, who was suspended six games for betting on non-NFL sports at the Lions facility. He's a first-round pick. Everybody else is a day two, day three, or undrafted free agent. When Calvin Ridley was suspended in 2021 for betting on the betting on NFL games, uh, it was a situation where he was the only one at the time, Joe, that received that suspension. So it happened in a vacuum, and he's a first-round pick. Like it or not, first-round picks, high draft picks, their leash is far longer. So the NFL was going to wait around to make sure that once Calvin Ridley was eligible for reinstatement, that he would get his second chance and his chance to move past this and into the next phase of his career with this gambling thing behind him. These other players, Shaka Tony, who was suspended indefinitely from Washington, Demetrius Taylor, suspended indefinitely. He was a free agent as well. Isaiah Rogers, six-round pick, and suspended indefinitely from the Indianapolis Colts. Isaiah Rogers is a six-round pick. Was he primed to start this year? Yes, he's a kick returner and a cornerback. But they're not going to wait. The NFL is not going to wait as it continues, the machine continues to march on for any of these low-round draft picks to come back from suspension, and then they work them back in. They will replace you in a heartbeat. So the message I would have to players out there, especially those day three picks, those undrafted free agents, before you bet, ask yourself, am I doing this within the rules? And if I'm willing to bend those rules, is it really worth it if I get caught? Because you might be throwing away your career for a $25 bet on points bet, and it's just not worth it because they will replace you in a heartbeat and your career could be over for doing something that you thought was fun at the time. Maybe it was a boredom killer. And in the end, it ends up killing your career. Straight ahead, is it okay to score a baseball game at home by yourself? <laughs> We're going to get into that what? next here on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hours away from free agency officially beginning 
in the NBA tips off at 6 p.m. Eastern time. NBA Today has got you covered 3 to 6 p.m. and then again 7 to 9 p.m. But you can keep it locked right here on ESPN Radio for the latest happenings, latest signings. Maybe at some point soon we'll figure out where James Harden might be getting traded to after opting into his $35.6 million player option yesterday. That is the news that is carrying us into this Friday before 4th of July. Courtney Cronin, Joe Fortenbaugh kicking it with you on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. And I was alerted to a very strange quirk from Pat Costello, who's in studio with us, uh, something that he does at home, which I'm not going to, you know, in your free time, you can do whatever you want. You can spend, you can spend <laughs> your time like alone, you're making this however sound. you want. Except. This is called a setup, Pat. I'm going to get to you in a minute. Hold tight. Um, so... I do like when I'm like when I get off radio, like last night I got off radio at eight o'clock. I made some dinner. I went back to my couch and I watched the Cubs game between the shiny, happy people series on Amazon Prime, which, by the way, if you haven't seen it, whoa. Um, But it was a very like benign activity watching TV, eating my dinner, going to bed so I could get up for this 3.30 a.m. Central Time wake up call to do KJM with you, Joe. I find out that Pat in his free time likes to just randomly kind of drop in on whatever Philadelphia Phillies game he can get on TV, whatever time he gets home. And he scores the game at home. Is, am am I weird for thinking that's, am I wrong for thinking that that's a little strange? Can you explain you or Pat for those listening, what scoring a baseball game means? Because I have a feeling we have some listeners who don't understand what that means. Okay, Pat, floor is yours. I've seen the photo of this scorecard that is kept in a book of scorecards that most people bring those two actual baseball games, not doing them at home. Yeah, I sometimes I'll, if I'm bored and watching a Phillies game, I'll keep the scorebook, which, you know, Bryce Harper comes up, hits a single, oh, single, write it down. And I'll just do that for the game if there's nothing else going on. I don't what? see what, what's so weird about that. It's a great hobby. What? It keeps why, why me you, interested in the game. Why do you like doing it so much? It's just, I don't know, it's fun. I've always keeps liked doing brain it. brain active? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I got nothing else going on. It's a Thursday in Meriden, Connecticut. What am I doing? What is that, a Sudoku no, no. for you? Basically. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's no judgment. I'm just curious as to, like, some people might do it because... It calms them down. Some people might, you know, have an OCD sort of thing going on. Some people might just really enjoy it. Just curious as to your preference. I'm trying to grab your back here, Pat. Don't make it difficult. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. No, I just, I don't know. It's just Doesn't fun. seem like it. I, it's fun. It's a fun. Look, I've been keeping score of the Is show. Is fun? I've been keeping score of the show. Wait, let me see that. Literally what what are you keeping show. score yeah, of? It's- Hold that up to the camera. Are you watching like an old baseball game right now? An encore? No, no. He about no, no. actual sc- the show itself. He's scoring our performances here. Yeah. Wait. Oh, did really? I, when did I? When did I? Wait. You. I have a three. And what did I? Stru- when did I? Yeah. You hit. A, you hit a double in the uh, second or in the third hour, and uh, the the fourth hour here is a big swing and a miss for you. So uh, that's yeah, a strikeout. You can smell wow. that coming. Nuno uh, strike uh, two strikeouts looking. Joe's hit a single. It's yet to be determined how it's going for him here. It sounds like a double to me. And my man Yates has a fly out in a single. And I've hit two home runs as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when did I strike out? Just because I'm like throwing you oh, some this shade segment. here? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're trying this to put segment. him under the bus. Hating I'll on say a this. It's, it's, I appreciate it, Pat. I do. Because I think with the generation we are in now, and this isn't a rant on young people or anything. I just think that we are surrounding ourselves with screens and activities 
and all these different inputs that are just clouding our mind. I've got all these social media inputs. I got 50 TVs in the house. Everywhere I look, it's screens and inputs and information. It's okay to slow things down from time to time. It's okay to take it easy and to just try to live in the moment. And I think scoring a baseball game is a very nice, calm way to pass the time. Congratulations, Joe. You just earned yourself a triple. But, but Joe, Joe, let me ask you this (laughs) question, though. If you were... And I agree with that mindset. No, no, could you right? let the compliment breathe before <laughs> well, you come I mean, listen, jumping in to destroy it? He, yes. Let it breathe. Here's the deal, though. Like, I get that. If Pat was like, all right, game starts at 7, I'm going to sit down at 7. But it wasn't. He was in and out. He wasn't paying attention to the game it's the whole time. That's like, not true. You That's said that to you, us. You literally said, like, oh, lies, so lies, 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 more lies. I can do and- mo- more than one thing. I don't have to be locked in the whole time. I'm listening to the game in the background. If I hear a single, I can go right down single. I don't have yeah, to be Nuno's, watching Nuno's every type of guy who's to know like, what's going on. Nuno's the type of guy. He's like, what's the point of two beers if you're not having 20? If you're not having 20 <laughs> beers, why even open the first one? I am not that guy, but I do have a lot of friends that. Lies, lies, lies. That's the case you're making out right now. You're making a case right now that if he can't score the whole game, he shouldn't score any of it. To be clear, I am scoring the whole game. But it's like, oh, I'm gonna miss the top of the fourth. I'm gonna come back and fill it in. Like, come on, you have to go all in. Be that weird guy. Excuse me, let me rephrase it. Be that guy in the bleachers that has like his hat on, he has his headphones in because he's listening to the game on the radio and score it. Like, go all in, Pat. I like every single batter. I can just do multiple things at once. I don't know if you know this, Nuno. There are multiple pitches in an at bat, so it takes a little while. There is time in between at-bats and stuff to do things. Is nobody concerned about the actual meal that he's making while he's doing this? It's because in his crock not pot. locked in. I can't imagine like, what's it's the something you would find uh, uh, Carmi making in the bear, okay? It's certainly not something <laughs> like that. I was making some... That's a good reference right there, by yeah, the way. That's a great pull, by my issue is My issue is not for like me. what's... Thanks for coming out, everybody. It's yeah. a home run, Pat. My issue is it's not being made one. in... Like, it's not on the stove. It's not like he's, you know, so busy distracted with this 3-1 Phillies game from last night that his, you know, apartment's burning down because he's not paying attention to what he's cooking. He's cooking on a crock pot. My issue is <laughs> I have a separation for certain things. You mentioned beer earlier, uh, Joe, and it got me thinking. So, like, when I go to a Cubs game, that is the only place in America I'm going to have an old style, which is, at least last I checked, still the official beer of the Chicago Cubs. You think When I think of Wrigley Field, I think of the Ivy, and I think of having an old style. I'm not going to do that when I come home. Can you imagine like me walking into my apartment right now, cracking open, not now, it's 9 a.m. Central Time, but you know, a more reasonable hour, cracking open a six-pack of old style? Do you no eat, offense do you or eat, anything. Do you ever eat a hot dog at home? No. What? I'm not going to have – first of all, I don't like a Chicago dog, and I know that's kind of like sacrilegious where I come from, but I save certain experiences for the ballpark. People who score games – I used to do it when I was much younger because now I go and I'm not really focused on scoring a game. I want to, you know, have an old style and watch the game. But, like, I've done that at the ballpark. There's certain things you've got to reserve for being in a certain ambiance 
that just make it better. But apparently you want to do it in your kitchen or living room. You can score a game while drinking a beer. We're not talking about Oppenheimer building the atomic bomb here. (laughs) It's scoring in a bat while taking a sip of beer. We can do two things at once in this country. It's just weird to do it at home. All right, so Pat was in the zone yesterday at home by himself, scoring the Phillies game, getting the zone, brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. Auto zone. This was super fun. Have a wonderful 4th of July week next week. For Joe Fortenbaugh, I'm Courtney Cronin. And this has been Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.